Hello and welcome to Thinking Religion. I'm Thomas Whitley. I'm Sam Harrelson. Ah, so where do we go with this? <laughs> right, that's the question. Have you played Pokemon? No. You haven't played Pokemon? You live on a college no. campus. No, but I went for a run. Um, I was, when I was, I was out running Sunday, and I ran down by this lake that I run by a lot. And without exaggeration, it's the most people I've ever seen there. And 98% of them were looking at their phones. So I was like, oh, everybody here is playing Pokemon. It's crazy. And they were in like groups and individuals and everything. It's kind of weird when you realize what they're what people are doing when they're yeah. doing it because you you kind of feel like well maybe I should maybe I should do it myself, but I, I've played a few, I don't know not a few hours but you know we uh, played off and on with my my eight year old daughter, and and she collects Pokemon cards and it was a big thing in her school and they had to like ban the cards which they were doing back <laughs> in the nineties which I think is hilarious right. you know when they're like banning Pogs right at the same time they were banning slap bracelets. <laughs> Or or the colored bracelets because if you were a green bracelet then that mean no yeah yeah uh, I got stories so uh, anyway I'm, I'm you know playing with my eight year old and we're walking around the neighborhood and we keep finding them <laughs> but we um, <laughs> we we get to this I forgot what we were doing we we finished a movie or something and she was like oh let's play, let's go uh, go play Pokemon outside real quick and I was like oh, all right fine so we, we crank it up and our next door neighbor according to the map had had something in her yard and i thought well let's walk over there so we walk over there and i look down it's ten forty-five, and we're standing in the middle middle of her front yard it's <laughs> <was> like <laughs> eh, that's kind of weird marriott or you know like maybe we yeah. should get back daughter um so yeah so we it's it's been interesting to see how churches and and institutions and and uh you know places are, are dealing with the onslaught of of pokemon players but yeah, I passed a I passed a bike shop today and it was like catch more Pokemon on a bike. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like everybody is trying to capitalize on this. Right, right. Uh, you know, if, if I were if I were, were, were into that game, I, I would um of trying to capture Pokemon players, not just the Pokemon. I would definitely have charging stations in my church or my bike shop. Yeah. And I have like an Android, you know, like three or four Android micro USB things out and a couple of iPhone lightning adapters. Because the the game really does suck your battery down really quickly. So anyway, I uh, I think that's fascinating to see how people are, are processing all that. Yeah, I expect it to die out pretty quickly, though. Well, but it, it sure. Um, but I think that the interesting thing um, for me from a from a tech point of view is that it, it really is kind of the first smash hit that's associated with augmented reality or you know right vir- yeah. virtual reality but i'm saying i'm holding it right here i've got google cardboard which is you know virtual reality and you slap your phone in and then you hold this kind of like cardboard mask up to your face and you've got a virtual reality player and it's really 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 cool and you can do some fun things with it um you know most are, are kind of like game related right now but you can certainly see the application in, in the future here as we move ahead of of where this stuff is going to go and you know when you start thinking about things like military military uh, applications or education or you know physicians or, or training engineers or whatever like you know it's going to have some very utilitarian purposes i think yeah no i, I think you're right i think we're definitely going to see ar and vr grow a lot <clears throat> i just think the act you know the actual pokemon game is not going to be able to sustain the interest that it's had in the past couple of weeks. Well, it's going to be like Angry Birds, you know, where everybody yeah. plays it, and then we all—it becomes part of culture. And still, some, right. some people will play it. You know, it's kind of like Candy Crush, I guess, right? Where, yeah, you know, I guess, yeah, I guess. Do people still play Candy Crush? It's like wow. five to ten million people a month. I mean, it's it's huge wow. still, yeah, or, or or a day or something. I forget the the metric. Um, but yeah, Pokemon is is approaching, or I think it's past now. Twitter daily users and tinder daily users and uh it's up there now with like google maps uh daily users so it it, you know no i don't think that's going to be the the thing that does it just like angry birds wasn't the ios or or mobile game that that is the be all end all of mobile gaming but it, it ushered in this age of mobile gaming back in 2008 2009 and it became kind of a cultural thing um that made it okay to play those games and I think we're seeing the same thing now with with uh, Pokemon Go. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and, you know, Hillary's trying to use it, trying to build off of it to get people to go vote. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, and, and ugh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but our team is pretty good about that. Her stuff. team is really good. You see her Snapchat today? No, I didn't. <laughs> she's just trolling Chris Christie. She just has a clip of him last night, you know, where he's like, we're going to prosecute the case against Hillary Clinton. And she's like four clips of them, like hugging and like palling around and all this stuff. And him saying like, oh, say, you know, say hey to the president for me. <laughs> and like, that's it. There's no commentary <laughs> or anything. It's so perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, whoever, whatever team her campaign has put together to oversee their social media has been fascinating and fantastic in the sense that they are able to go into not just kind of kind of broad-based you know like they're not just spreading the same message to facebook and snapchat and instagram and twitter right like like they they make these messages custom sort of custom made for the snapchat users in in a way that snapchat users will resonate with not just let's make america great again like okay you can go say that on twitter but like this is snapchat we behave differently and the same thing with Instagram, like you've got to have a certain aesthetic and the same thing with Facebook and the same thing with Pinterest and all these, you know, other social things. And to me, the, the real wonder of that as someone who does this every day is that her campaign has been able to do this so effectively on a daily basis. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, trust me, it's, you know, someone right. who, who works in this every single day, like it's a lot of work to make sure that your tweets are are. are tweeting in the way that they should be tweeted and your snapchats or chatting in the way you know and and you can't really cross the streams and i think that's where a lot of people including politicians mess up and they say well i'm going to broadcast this message out i'm just going to use you know buffer or or deliver it or one of these services to go out and just you know sort of shotgun all right. all of the same thing to all these places and that doesn't really work um you know you really do have to sort of custom make it for each channel or each yeah so so for instance i mean they even like created a custom uh like snapchat filter for what was that was it like a couple days ago at the rnc right so they're doing things like this for snapchat that not only like wouldn't fit twitter but just do not work on twitter right and the same thing with some of their tweets right it's the language of twitter that prominent like regular twitter users will get like delete your account things like that that wouldn't work anywhere else right so it's people that are you would imagine natives to the so-called you know digital natives right to these platforms and unlike say the people that work at twitter they actually use these platforms <laughs> right right since right. nobody apparently that works at twitter uses twitter well, very um, but but yeah, so you can tell like they use these platforms in their day to day life. They they know how they use it and how people are using it, and she clearly has a, a whole team doing it, and they're just doing an absolutely fantastic job. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's. I think she hired some some Obama people, so there's that. Uh, but we really talked. We talked a ton about what Obama did in '08, and it was really really impressive. Which how with how he was kind of able to leverage social media, but. I I really think that Hillary Clinton's leverage of it has been even more impressive because it's much it feels much more native and natural. We know there's a team behind it just like there was with Obama and there are platforms that exist now that did not exist in 2008. But and yes, yeah, she has she is building largely on what he did in a lot of ways. But she has built on it and gone in the right direction and just done a fantastic job with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely not a health healthcare.gov type launch. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but you remember in 2009 at his inauguration, uh, I think it was Facebook had a partnership with CNN or something, and they live-streamed the inauguration, and we watched it in, yeah. in the Seminary yes. Lounge. Do you remember yes. that? Yes. We're like, this is yes. the future. We're watching TV. I know. That was, the thing. That was back – like we would sit around and be like, somebody's got to have a stream of this, right? How does NPR not have a stream of – right? we were doing all this like, come on. And now it's like you can get a periscope of it and multiple Facebook lives. and Yeah. The it's, thing we got to get away from, right, and is what CNN and these the other networks do with their debates is like, oh, brought to you by Facebook. And so we're going to have a like a question from a Facebook user. <laughs> like, oh, well – you know, eighty-seven percent of Facebook users said that the economy was important. Like that's, 
Ah, that's how polling works. Like, well, and, and the thing is, the users of those networks aren't watching those uh, broadcasts. You know, those are going out to the, I'm sorry, the old people who who are sort of, uh, you know, still stuck in 1992 in terms of how this should work, you know, with, where there's a debate or the inauguration or, or, you know, some kind of event. And a lot of times when I turn on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News, what I see are, are you know, white guys predominantly standing there reading tweets and, right. and it's yeah. like well, well donald trump tweeted and well, i can do this myself <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, like, that's, and that's how i feel too about a lot of like journalism these days is i mean so many stories are just they have a paragraph at the beginning and then it's a collection of tweets like literally nothing more than that it's just oh here's what people said on twitter and on the you know you and i who are you know fairly active think like this is stupid. I've already seen this, but I also get it. Like, hey, some people are at work and they are not looking at Twitter throughout the day, and so they want to get the recap. So I, I understand it, and I'm sure it's got to be getting you know great numbers, or else they wouldn't all keep doing it. But it is kind of funny that like so much of what classes is uh, journalism and news now is just reading people's Twitter feeds. Well, it, 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 to me, like. Uh... I don't know, working with businesses and churches and that kind of thing for marketing stuff and trying to not convince, but just kind of shed light onto how things operate now is really difficult in some cases because people think, well, no, Anderson Cooper is going out doing all this hard work and Anderson Cooper is, you know, he's a reporter and he's a journalist and he's a professional and this is how he operates. And and to a certain extent, yes, and I don't, I'm not taking this out on Anderson Cooper, Bill O'Reilly, whoever. Um, but, you know, when you talk about your own website or your own social media presence or your own Snapchat or, you know, whatever, you've got to keep in mind that it's not just about you wanting to kind of spew a message and saying, well, I put it on Facebook so everyone saw it, right? Like, didn't you didn't you see my right. post about the Holy Ghost? Um, <laughs> no, you know, probably people didn't see it because it flows by in a big river and people dip in and dip out of the river throughout the day, mostly on mobile. So if you put a, you know, a picture up on your website or if you put something up there that's not directly tied into kind of the everyday flow of how the people you're trying to reach flow, then it's not going to happen. And... I think that's a, a real kind of a wake-up call because back in the day, if you wanted to reach young professionals in this demographic, you would just put an ad in the newspaper or you would put a billboard up or you would put an ad on the TV station and people would see that. And that's not how things work now. Um, and and uh, to me, when I when I look at what Clinton's uh, campaign is doing compared to what, say, Trump's campaign is doing, it's it's like those churches that get it and the churches that don't get it in terms of marketing. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. And yeah we'll see but anyway i mean you know we'll we're going to keep this in mind the clinton campaign it, it will be an example i think we come back to politically uh for a number of years and and just be really impressed with how well they leveraged numerous platforms uh in in a way that was natural to each platform yeah. uh and i i just i, just, I think it's impressive so i think we're going to come back to that um we can I don't know, man. We have to talk about the Republican National Convention. Mm, do we? We do. <laughs> we, do. We, do. we do. We do. We do. Okay, so so we're recording this right in the middle of the Republican National Convention. Yeah. What is, um, Wednesday night? Today's it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Wednesday. Um, Who's so, speaking tonight? Ivanka? Well, uh, Mike Pence. No, Ivanka is speaking Thursday. Mike Pence is speaking tonight. So we're going to hear the VP nominee. Um yeah. Tonight so, tonight is uh, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and Eric Trump. Eric Trump, yeah, who by the way has, you know, said he wrote every word of his speech himself. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um I don't even know where to start. Okay. I mean this this Republican National Convention has been entertaining in some ways, and it has been rather scary in other ways. Um what, what do you mean by scary? Okay, so, you know, we could talk about the pastor, who, by the way, is from South Carolina, who gave the invocation and said that Hillary Clinton and the liberal Democrats were the enemy, right, in his prayer, which when you're praying 
the type of Christian prayer he was praying, that's pretty much guaranteed that enemy there is standing for Satan. Right. He said the enemy is Hillary Clinton and the Democratic right. Party. Right. Right. Which, like, from, from the stage. Yes. Mark, Mark and a prayer. Yeah. Right. So it's a really hyper-partisan prayer, uh, which is new. I mean, this is, this is a thing that I think is really important to stress to our listeners who – you know, I, I think some of our listeners probably get most of their politics from us, and for that, I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, but you know, at least you get some portion of your politics from us because we're in this kind of every day. Um, this is not business as usual with convention. I mean, you don't have prayers like this at conventions. It doesn't matter, Republican, Democrat. It just does. You do not have prayers like this. Okay, but it but it fits right in with this convention because on Tuesday night, Ben Carson was um, talking about Hillary Clinton kind of, you know, in league with Lucifer, right? So so you have that, and you also had Tuesday night uh, Chris Christie leading essentially um, a show trial of Hillary Clinton with this kind of, kind of lame, but probably effective in some circles, um, call and a response of, you know, well, is she guilty about this? And the crowd would yell, guilty, you know, and keep going. And then there were every single night so far, there have been numerous occasions at the convention where there have been chance of lock her up, yeah. lock her up. And it was, it was, uh, that was so disturbing with, with Chris Christie. Yeah. I mean, and so it's, yeah. So, of course, a lot of people are talking. I mean, this is, I will say, I was really proud. I said this on Twitter last night, really proud of my timeline of the people that I follow because a lot of people were making Monty Python and the Holy Grail references, <laughs> right. right? She turned me into a newt. <laughs> turned me into a newt, right? Referencing the witch scene there, which is a brilliant, brilliant scene uh, in that movie, but everybody was on that and on Salem. Yeah. Witch trial. I mean, they were all over it. It was great. Um, and, I, and it felt, I it felt a like lot that. Of I mean, but it did, right? It, that, it, 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 was, it was trial by mob. Yeah, right? and I mean, it's used that word guilty. You know, with right. a white guy standing there over, shouting, yeah. yeah. And you would think, oh, this is kind of harmless. But when you add it all together, and then also you have today, uh, Wednesday, uh, the co-chair of Trump's New Hampshire um, efforts said that Hillary Clinton should be put in front of a firing squad and executed. Right? I mean, this is, For again, treason. this is yeah. not politics as usual. I don't, I don't know how to say that. And, and I forget who it was. It I, was, I want to say it might have been Ezra Klein, but I don't think it was now. But somebody early on said that the most difficult thing about this campaign is going to be um, continuing to be shocked. Right, right. And I mean, uh, you know, the whole Melania thing where she <laughs> lifted passages from yeah, okay, Michelle so Obama. I, yeah. I wanted to talk about that a little bit from the academic point of view, and we can go into that later. But I keep hearing Republicans say she didn't crib Michelle. She didn't lift Michelle Obama's words. She didn't crib her words. But they're not saying plagiarize. That's plagiarized. It's it's hundred percent plagiarism. Yes, I mean, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, I I've seen this a lot as a professor. It's really sad. Um, but without a doubt, there is. And, and any student who did that in any university would have been kicked out, hopefully, or, or seriously reprimanded. Or whatever whatever the consequences are, like. Uh, some departments, for instance, it's an automatic zero on the assignment is the minimum. And then the, anything beyond that is the professor's discretion. Right. Um, but absolutely. I mean, there, there's absolutely no question. All right. And so, of course, a lot of a lot of my um, Twitter feed was also talking about it, you know, in relation to the, the so-called synoptic problem. Right. The relationship between the yeah, four Gospels exactly. and the New Testament. Um, and you have, you know, verbatim similarities. And you have to determine kind of which came first and all this type of stuff. Um it's it's just not I don't know anybody who looks at it knows that that's a, it was plagiarism. It's also been right. You're kind of watching not just Republicans but um, so many news outlets kind of dance around it and use all these metaphors for plagiarism, right? Yeah, crib. crib or you know it mirrors or strikingly similar, and everybody's scared to just call it what it is. And this this is kind of again this myth of um, I don't know like e- equal coverage. Right, so we have this myth that like both sides are to blame, right? Is what everybody wants to say, and so journalists and, and some have been very open about this and the struggle that they have in f- wanting to appear to be unbiased, which actually means that they have to treat the sides differently because of how it comes across when it's 
you don't have both sides, right? You do not have Democrats calling for Donald Trump to be executed by a firing squad. Right. Right. right? So, so you can't say both sides are at fault. You can talk about, you know, different levels of political rhetoric and you can talk about propaganda and you can talk about things that maybe were a little across the line or something like that. But you just they just are not equal. Or, and, or like and part uh, of the problem is is that we now we've become used to this and that now it's kind of not that crazy for uh, a nominee for president to be calling for his opponent to be put in jail. I mean, this is what you right. This is what Erdogan is doing in Turkey, right? This should, and and after a failed coup attempt, when he is you know striking back and you know using this. Maybe orchestrated the failed coup attempt, maybe didn't, but certainly at least using it as an opportunity to cleanse out um, the government, to cleanse out religious leaders, and to cleanse out academic leaders. And you have the same things. Chris Christie is, you know, told donors that that's what Trump would do, right? That he's looking at ways that he can purge the U.S. government of Obama appointees. Yeah. Right? So yeah. again, this is not politics as usual right well and and i guess that's the thing so i was watching monday as things kicked off at four o'clock and i had my daughters here um and i was working from home so i just kind of flipped on cnn downstairs while we were you know kind of goofing around and i was getting finishing up on work and we were playing with some legos and that kind of thing and my eight-year-old started watching and she was really into it and then um I forgot who it was that was speaking, the general or something. Anyway, really started getting into the whole Hillary thing, and uh, I, I felt like, okay, I don't want my eight-year-old daughter to see this. And I never thought that I would have that kind of feeling of, of I don't want my children to see something that, <laughs> that's happening on the political stage that 25 million Americans are watching, and you know, every American should be watching. But, you know, so I... I I flipped it off and I turned on my iPad and put my headphones in because I <laughs> wanted to watch, but I didn't want her to be yeah. exposed to that. And, and just for me, like having to explain to my eight year old daughter why this sort of, I mean, I'm not talking about Trump or Clinton. I mean, you know, they both have their faults, but this feeling of, I mean, God, if, if she had seen what happened last night, I, I would have completely, oh. I mean, that, that was so anti everything that I feel like I stand for as a parent. Um, and, and we talk about family values and we talk about, you know, good Christian America and those sorts of things. And then we get up and act like this, especially as white males, like what the hell are we thinking? You know, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, I mean, it's embarrassing and it's dangerous. Yes, I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I wrote a piece a while back about Donald Trump's dangerous nativism and the thing that we're seeing now. And, and, you know, I try to keep reminding people of this is that Donald Trump is a symptom. Donald Trump is not the disease. And so there are a lot of people think like, oh, we just defeat Trump and we'll be okay. But I don't think so because I think what's happening now is that even if Hillary Clinton wins, which I think the the fundamentals, so to speak, of the campaigns right now uh, with what the polling looks like, I'm fairly confident Hillary Clinton is going to win in November. A lot can change, of course, but I'm I'm pretty confident that Hillary Clinton is going to win. But now you're setting up – a reaction to her presidency similar to the reaction that we saw to Obama's, right? Where they met on the night of the inauguration and said, we're going to do everything we can and not let him have any successes, which was unprecedented, right? And now what's going to happen is you're going to have Hillary Clinton become the president and you're going to have a significant portion of the country that thinks she should literally be in jail and or be executed, because she put emails on her private server or some shit like that, right? I mean, and so it, it's not going to go away after November and Hillary Clinton wins the election, right? And that's that's the scary thing about it. And then what you're seeing now is is you know is what Donald Trump is the symptom is that you're seeing that he is given permission to um, people for you know mostly white men to say just absolutely horrible things that they've been thinking for a long time that you and I have known that they've been thinking because we hear it right that but i think a lot a lot of democrats a lot of liberals and probably a lot of moderates and some republicans don't recognize that there are people out out there that think this way and have always thought this way 
Yeah. Right. And so tr- Trump being so successful saying the things that he has said, right, the racist things, the xenophobic things that he said, um, the nativist things that he said, being successful in the Republican primary and getting all the TV coverage that he's getting has has been just a permission slip for them to say it as well. Right. And so that's yes, politically, it's smart for Democrats to try to tie Trump to the Republican Party kind of writ large and say that the Republican Party is the party of Trump, which is a fairly legitimate claim since they did just nominate him as their, their nominee for president, right? That's the candidate for president. Um, but it also we also seeing politicians like Chris Christie, who I'm no fan of Chris Christie, but I never expected him to go where he went Tuesday night. Yeah, right. Never. Oh, so, uh, I mean, on, on that point, I tweeted out something kind of similar to what I just said last night as I was watching this and I was thinking about my daughter and because she really is interested in politics, just like I was at her age, which is, you know, God, I'm, I'm so sorry I did this to her. <laughs> but, <laughs> Good job. I know, but, but she, it's, it's she watches a lot of C-SPAN with me. I know, right? Like, sorry, kid. You're going to, you're going to be into the Bible and politics. Um, and, and, uh, it, you know, it was 10 o'clock or whatever and, and, I think Christie had spoken or, or someone had just spoken and, and I just put out like, this is embarrassing. Like this is not our country that, that I, I feel awkward that my wife was watching it, you know, who's 31. Like I can't imagine what my eight year old daughter would think about this from this misogynistic kind of, you know, racist, homophobic point of view. And I, I got a number of negative tweets back. And one of them, one of the guys who I immediately blocked, with his 11 followers said something like, well, if you feel bad about this, you should show her the video from Benghazi of, you know, the, the eight men getting annually raped by brooms and dragged through the streets. You should show your daughter that. And I was like, really? Like you're going to tell a random stranger who you've never met just because I, I put out a tweet that this is embarrassing and, and I feel awkward. You're going to tell a random stranger <laughs> that I should show my eight year old daughter what happened in Benghazi. Like whoever's fault right. it is like, you're going to get to that point, and you feel okay just putting that out there in the world forever. That in a, in a tweet that's going to go into the Library of Congress, like you're okay with that. Congratulations, congratulations, America! You know you've you've really stepped up. And uh, anyway, I thought, like, that just was sort of a wake up call for me. And I can see how people, like the lady from Ghostbusters, you know the, the uh, yeah Leslie Jones, who's, yeah who was harassed yeah. by uh, Milo or Milo or whatever the hell his name is, and all the you know kind of four chan idiots. Don't hack me. Uh, they all <laughs> they all went after this lady who was in Ghostbusters because oh the Ghostbusters were all females this time and and all these you know four chan Reddit Milo followers got their pennies in a wad and decided to go after you know the the staff the the cast or whatever. Um, I can see why people say like eh, I'm not going to engage on things like Twitter, right? Um, you know, being a white guy and seeing that little glimpse i'm like god you know bless like this is so bad what you know what are you doing republican party i mean yes democrat party has its flaws too i don't call myself yeah, a democrat, i mean right but there's a whole but, thing where we talk about the bernie bros for a long time right, right so it's clearly right. not um you know th- this at least you know internet reactions and things like that is not um just the domain of republicans by any means um but yeah if we see next week at the Democratic National Convention, chance of you know lock him up, or, or, you know Kill talking him. about Trump like or Trump is, the, Trump is Lucifer. Trump is Lucifer, or calling for him to be put in a fire, in front of a firing squad and executed. I would feel exactly the same way because I think that has no place at all in our country and you know our um, republic. Our you know we have a democracy it's you know democratic republic yeah democratic republic it's not a strict democracy democracy, like a lot of people think but yeah we have our democratic republic i just that has no place here okay and and i think i think that yes i do think trump is dangerous i i and i think that's fine to say um i'm not going to compare him to hitler by any means um just because that's a trump card no pun intended that i don't know just doesn't for whatever, yeah, it's it's overplayed anyway, um, and it's not that I think he has designs to kill millions of people or anything like that. 
But I guess a lot of people didn't think that about Adolf Hitler either. But but I'm not I'm not in it to play some kind of trump card like that. Oh, well, he's horrible, and you know, and then we're just going to say the next Republican guy is your girl is just as bad too. I'm I'm not in it for that. Like generally, I I think that at the end of the day, having a Republican or Democrat is not that big of a difference, particularly in the White House and kind of people's lives. Um, and particularly with Hillary Clinton, right? I mean, she's she's a moderate Democrat. Um, and particularly with how the conversation has gone lately, it's, yeah, I mean, so I, I guess my point here is I do think that Donald Trump is dangerous. I think that his rhetoric is dangerous, and I think we're seeing that, and I think the license that people feel they have gotten from Donald Trump is dangerous, and I think that – I don't know. I don't know how to say it any other way, but but it's it's not just Donald Trump. It, it's no, pastors. No. It's ministers or, or Paula White. It's yes. it's that guy from Easley, whatever his name was. It's it's yeah. It's it's I don't want to say Perry Noble. It's our evangelical leaders that get up and sell us a bill of goods and say, we, you know, we're Christians and we're under attack, and it's okay to be you, and we want you to be you, and you need to go out there and you need to tell people that we are going to save this country and if people don't get on board the god train or the jesus train our version of jesus train then our country's going to go to pot and uh, which willie nelson would enjoy and we need to make sure that um you know everyone agrees with us and our government agrees with us agrees with us and we have a theocracy in place because that's the only way jesus is going to come back and save us right and it's that that consistent rhetoric from these leaders who I don't think really agree with that. <laughs> you know, there's a reason our evangelical leaders are collapsing under things like sexual scandals and alcoholism and child abuse and these other things. These well, they're, they're, uh, not all of them, but some of them certainly are just playing the many. game. Right. That, that's what I mean. So when you look at someone like right? Paula White, who yeah. makes, what, $8 million a year or whatever it is, or the guy who heads up Elevation Church or in Charlotte who has a, a what, $2.5 million mansion, like yeah. these these people, and I'm not saying they're inauthentic, and I'm not saying they're, that they're not sincere Christians. However, if you're living in a $2.5 million mansion, maybe you need to reconsider your priorities as a pastor. And I'm saying that as a pastor, because, <laughs> oh my God, like, what are we, what are we doing when we, when we get to that point, when we get on the, the stage at a major political party's convention and call another party, whether we're Democrats or Republicans, and if, if a Democrat does this next week, I'll say the same damn thing. What are we doing when we say, like, they're Lucifer or they're evil? I mean, does, right. does Ben Carson, who is a brilliant neurosurgeon, does he really believe – I mean, knowing what he knows about things like the blood-brain barrier and being able to separate conjoined twins, does he really believe that there is a, a red – man who lives at the center of the earth with a big pitchfork who's out to get us using pokemon go maybe right but because that's that's the thing that you and i saw i mean right we talked last week and fantastic conversation with mariana um kind of about growing up evangelical and the particular evangelical subculture that her and i grew up in um but one of the things that you learn there is you know the cliche of like oh you can't ask certain questions but it's it's it goes beyond that. It's not just you can't ask certain questions. It's that a lot of people just aren't willing themselves to ask those questions, right? And so you have this talk about kind of checking your mind at the door, and it, it is a reality for a lot of people, right? And so Pew is um, reporting now that Americans are losing faith in kind of institutionalized religion to help solve problems in the world, and and fairly drastically, Um but it's kind of not hard to see why when you see some of this stuff going on. But then you have other people like Russell Moore, who has I have gained an enormous amount of respect for him during this political campaign, during this political season, right? Because he is completely comfortable saying, these were my principles two years ago, and these are still my principles, right? And I'm, that's not going to change because who our nominee is, I've got to say, oh, well, um, yeah, go Trump, right? And so – you're going to have Marco Rubio um, talk tonight at the convention who 
just a couple months ago said that Donald Trump is a pathological liar. But he's going to talk at the convention and apparently try to get people to vote for Trump. He may or not officially endorse him, but that's what he's doing by speaking at the convention, right? And then you get these religious leaders that are where you you know you got to vote for a Republican, you got to have lower taxes, and all these things that actually aren't related to their kind of quote unquote religious beliefs at all, right? And so what we're seeing, and that, and that's the thing that's really interesting, is we're seeing a a relationship between conservative, Protestant, in some cases, evangelical Christianity with the Republican Party in a way that we haven't seen it before. Even talking about the rise of the religious right and things like that, which is really prominent. And I do think we're ultimately seeing this die out. But it seems to me that kind of in the last gasps of this movement and of this relationship between these two entities – they're they're growing closer and closer together. And so we get things that we've been seeing where you get random speakers, right? A, a pro golfer getting up at the convention and saying, I'm going to talk about <laughs> politics and I'm going to talk about Jesus. Or the head well, of UFC or right, right. Tchotchke so, from you know, Charles in Charge or whatever. Yeah, so that's, that's great. I don't have any problem with that. Like that's – Hey, my my whole life is talking about religion and politics, and I'm super <laughs> but, but you're liberal, qualified, <laughs> right? You know, but like, so I don't know. It's just like where it's it has become in a, in a lot of ways just a for for a lot of people just a talking point, yeah. Right? It's it what is, it feels it like, and so then it's kind of like no wonder I have so many evangelical friends who are completely turned off by what's going on. But the problem is they are in the minority of those that consider themselves evangelical in this country, at least according to what all the polling data shows that shows Donald Trump is doing better with evangelicals than Mitt Romney did. So who's the lady that's speaking at the Democratic convention that was just announced today? The 19-year-old actress, Chloe? I didn't, I don't, I didn't see this. I, I'm so old. She's from, uh, I forgot the name of the movie or TV show or something. Chloe something. Is it Kardashian? No. Okay. I, I know that name. <laughs> Because so. Kanye and T Swift, Tay yeah, yeah, Kim Ye, they're they're all man. That's been, yeah, that's it's been a, crazy. That's a whole been freaking out about Kim Ye and T Swift. I, I did uh, with, with some of my extra money this month. I did uh, make a make a, a contract out uh, here on Craigslist for a wax figure of, of Thomas <laughs> for your music video. For my music video, so yeah, for the Thinking Religion cover piece, it's going to be. Mariana, then Trinity, then me, and Thomas, and uh, it's going to be awesome. But all right, so so let's take a break, and uh, yeah, that's probably good. We're getting pretty fired up there. <laughs> fired up, ready to go. Uh, I've got. I, I do want to ask you something about that in a minute, but we'll come back to that. Uh, I, I wanted to thank a few people who have helped out on this show, and I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to type here. Uh, we for a long time have had a donations option on the show and we flirted in the past with taking ads. We've had people approach us and say, Hey, we'll give you a thousand dollars a month if you'll do this and say this across these many shows. And we thought, oh, yeah, like that, that could work. Um, but I've always wanted this to be a listener supported show. And this month we've, we've actually really started to, uh, to get some folks in our, in our um, kind of circle who are, are, throwing some money at us uh which is really nice so while i pull this up just uh oh there we go okay i was gonna say i, I need to throw it to you for a second to try to find <laughs> this <laughs> trying to talk and type and not type too loud i know i was, I was just letting you oh i know I, I love i love that you do that i love that we have that chemistry where i can tell that you're just letting me simmer um but no so it, it, you know thank you all so much for not just listening but especially thank you to the friends of the show who give and we've gotten donations in the past and we've gotten some very nice donations in the past but going forward we're really trying to make an emphasis on people who are doing like recurring type donations or one time donations um we really appreciate it and if you go to thinking.fm/donate so thinking.fm/donate or if you are listening on an app or in the browser You'll see a little button that says donate or Patreon, whatever. Uh, we've got a couple of ways you can give. You can give through Patreon or you can give through Squarespace. It's very easy. Uh, so this month we have a couple of donations that that uh, I just wanted to say thank you to. So one was from Scott. 
one from Audrey, one from Dale, and an awesome one-time donation from Carrie. So thank you all so much for uh, for throwing that out there. Um, and this goes on top of kind of the, the normal recurring donations we've had. And it, you know, it's kind of a nice affirmation that, that we're getting there. We had uh, three more iTunes reviews over the last week, uh, all five stars. <laughs> so they, didn't, they didn't leave a comment, but they gave us five stars. So that's great. We, we do have one one-star review on iTunes, which I kind of feel is a, a badge of honor. Because anytime you have a show about religion, you're going to have <laughs> yeah multiples of those. So the fact that we only have one of those is nice. Um, so thank you. If you know if you can't donate, that's that's fine. Tell some people about the show if if you think they'll like it, or uh, go give us a positive review on iTunes. As much as it's kind of a burden for you know to do that for thirty seconds, it really does help the show. And I know you can't do it from the app, um, and Apple is silly about that kind of thing but if, if you go into itunes and you search for thinking of religion you'll see us and if you give us a, a you know a nice review there that that's really awesome so thank you to our new subscribers and our donation people whether you're through patreon or, or paypal um you can send in a check even <laughs> but i put our uh, corporate address there on the uh on the website at thinking dot thinking dot fm slash donate so feel free to to send us a check if you want to go old school uh, if you want to donate via bank transfer, send me an email. <laughs> I can do that as well. I've had uh, people do that like way in the past when I used to do old, old school podcasting, like in 2007. And people want to support that with like ACH transfers, which it's pretty interesting. But you know, yeah. I, I can I can set that up for you. So um, thank you to us, folks. And and if you do donate uh, on Patreon, we've got it listed out uh, where you can you know, get shout outs and that kind of thing. So if you have something like a business that you wanted to promote or an app or, you know, if you're accordance and you want to you know, promote your new, new Testament thing, whatever, um, yeah, you can, you can do that through there and, uh, we'll give you a little shout out on the show. Yeah. And if you, I mean, those of you who listen to the show for a while know we have fairly strong opinions about the kind of medium of podcasting, uh, and what we're trying to do here. And, really grateful for other things that are going on in the podcasting world. think some of it's really good. Um, but you know, we, we have a belief in how we do our show, which will seem to some people completely crazy and not professional and things like that. But, but do you know, we put a lot of time and thought and work into this actually, even though it doesn't sound like it sometimes. Um, we want you to feel like you know us and like you're connected to us and we want to know you and be connected to you and had a lot of listeners um, that continue to reach out to us on email and Twitter and Facebook and other places and make connections. And it's, I mean, it's just so great. And we're having conversations with people that we never would have met otherwise. Yeah. Um, and so we're learning a lot in the process and we really, we really enjoy and appreciate that. And we, you know, do strongly believe in, and like Sam said, we, we've really gone back and forth on this a lot with talking about ads and then kind of behind the scenes talking about, well, how much you know, we say occasionally, Hey, you can donate, but how much do we want to push that? Um, but we think that we have something. <laughs> we don't that... want to be a damn NPR donation drive. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you can and now here's Kai Rizdahl to talk about. <laughs> of this show. Yeah. Here's Ari Plato um, to come talk to you about donating. Yeah. Right. So, so we're not going to, we're not going to do that. Right. Or like your stewardship committee, you know, gets up, you know, three Sundays in a row every year or something like that at church. Right? <laughs> we don't want to be that either. Uh, but we, we believe we have a product that, that is, worth chipping in for just you know all we're trying to do is cover the overhead if we could do more than that hey that'd be great but um you know we both have you know, full-time jobs apart from this this is an extra thing that we do um and i mean oh god you know you're not we've already broken the fourth wall here anyway but you're not yeah. supposed to talk about the numbers but with the way the numbers look it looks like a lot of people th- think that what we're doing is worth listening to yeah as well so you we're, know, we're in the thousands of downloads now, which is kind of cool. I never thought we would get there. Yeah, <laughs> like, so we're kind of we're kind of chugging away, and as a as a network, we're, we're really doing great too. As a kind of the full thinking.fm network, uh, when you're looking at some of the the overall numbers, so we we just want to keep growing and um, keep giving you what we think is great content. So we do really appreciate it. It doesn't go unnoticed, um, no matter what amount you have. Yeah, to offer. totally. Totally. It's uh, definitely appreciated. So yeah, I mean, one dollar, uh, you know, a month is is really really appreciated. Um, you know, because we 
we spend hundreds of bucks a month just in terms of, of bandwidth and, <laughs> and trying to host these things, uh, let alone the – what do you think? So, I mean, this takes us, what, two hours a week just to do the show, right? Oh, then, just the actual recording, yeah. Right? Yeah, just the recording takes two hours, yeah. And then it's about another hour and a half for me to, to edit and get things slimmed up and do the show notes and upload it and you know find the funny pictures. And then we have the newsletter – so it, it, again, there's another opportunity. Go subscribe to the newsletter. Um, you'll see it in the show notes here, uh, whether you're listening on an app or on the browser, or look on our Facebook page or Twitter page or whatever. Uh, and, and that that means a lot to us. So if you can't, you know, contribute financially, that that's cool. Go, you know, subscribe to the newsletter because that lets us make sure that you know we're in touch. And and I think the people that have subscribed based on the feedback and we're getting like 80% opens, which yeah. is really freaking awesome. As someone who works in online marketing. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. You know, right. I'm working with like, know. you know, three to 6% is, is like break out the champagne on, on a traditional email marketing campaign. So 80%, you know, 75% opens is, is really, really cool to see every and week. You can, if, I mean, it's, it's fresh content in there too. It's not just, yeah, yeah. It's not just it's a little recap of the show, but it's, you know, it's we're not just recycling stuff. It's fresh content. Yeah. So. We write, we, I, I'm going to get Thomas to write more, but we're writing little uh, little bits, and we're we're throwing in some some things that didn't make it into the show, and, and things to think about, and that typically typically comes out on on Friday afternoon to to get you into the weekend. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. We we're not going to do this every week, but I was just like, really excited for, personally uh, to see those. Yeah, kind of a lot hit this week. That was nice to see. Yeah, yeah, and it feels like the show itself has kind of gotten on that. Um, I don't know that that point where it feels like. Okay, this this actually is kind of cool, you know. Like when I look at the numbers and I see three zeros behind, you know, the first number, and I'm like, wow, that many people listen to us rambling on about whatever. Like that's that's pretty cool. So I, I appreciate it. You know, if you are looking for one way to, this is great because I, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it seriously. But it is a perfect segue. Right? If you're looking for a way to find a few extra bucks a month, right? You can do what Sam did. Start a podcast. No, no, no. I'm saying like. Extra bucks a month to give us, then you can do what you just did this week and saved like an insane amount of money on your subscriptions. Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, you want to talk about that real quick. I mean, it's it's a service that people might like because you kind of it's really easy to fall into this, right? I think it's fantastic. So I like the internet a whole lot. (laughs) Always have. That's that's going to be on on Sam's tombstone. (laughs) I like the internet. Nellies and Verba. I like the internet. Practice resurrection. Uh, so this week, uh, I noticed on a site that I, I visit quite often called Product Hunt. Product Hunt. There's a link down in the show notes. Uh, it, it basically lists like new apps and new websites that launch, and it's it's by nerds for nerds, but it's it's really popular in in the kind of web nerd community. Uh, there was a new service called Truebill that had launched, and it was an iOS app, and now it it also has a, a browser uh, interface, and it's at Truebill.com. Which is a, a great domain. I don't know how they got that. Yeah. Uh, basically, you sign up, and it takes about thirty seconds. You can sign up on on the mobile app. You can, and we're not getting paid for this. <laughs> Which, what are we thinking? I mean, this would be an ad. <laughs> I know. As we Damn just said, we don't do ads, but half the show is. So you should go here and do this. Go to truebill.com slash thinking now. Uh, truebill.com, and you put in your your uh, account. Uh, uh, whether you want to put in like a credit card account or uh, a bank account, I, I know, I know. But if you put in the online login and they they list out their bank level security stuff online, and evidently they yes they get the token for your account, but it's not like full access, blah blah blah. But they're able to see your transactions, and they take those transactions, and it takes about two or three minutes, and it parses it out, and it figures out where you are subscribed. So whether it's things like Netflix or Dropbox or your AT&T phone bill, or for me, it's Time Warner Cable. Um, I mean, it just tons of things. Like, all the way down to, I, I was subscribed to Reddit Gold for, like, 10 years, and I forgot about that. So I've been paying, like, $4 a month to Reddit, which is great, but it's owned by Condé Nast. Like, they don't need my $4 a month. Uh, things like Audible, Amazon.com, we have Blue Apron, Evernote, uh, FreshBooks, GoDaddy, Google Apps, uh, Google Play, Hulu, Spotify, MailChimp, Microsoft Office, Netflix, Patreon, Squarespace, our Geico, uh, car insurance. I mean, just you know, all the way down, all the way down, turtles. Um, I had dozens of these. So it, it turned out I was paying a lot of money, 
uh, a month with <laughs> some subscription services that really didn't need. And I just kind of forgotten about, and I was like, Oh, I didn't know I was paying that to Reddit or, Oh, but yeah, I don't, I'm not really using Kindle unlimited. So I could, I could probably just go ahead and cancel that. Right. So, you know, I, I don't need to pay Amazon 10 bucks a month for something that I'm using, you know, maybe once a month. Um, and it's like, well, do I, do I really need three different Evernote accounts? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know why I'm subscribed to Evernote premium three times, but I have been <laughs> <laughs> between iOS and the web and this and that. So, um, I decided to, uh, to try this out and use, uh, go to like one of your account things and the list and you just kind of click there and say cancel. And they do, if it's not like something that's crazy, they do the hard work of canceling that account for you. So you, uh, one of the things was uh, the Washington Post and the New York I'm sorry, New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. And I've had my New York Times account since like 2002, and it was still under my Yale address. And so it was kind of like, oh, I don't really want to cancel that because I you know, love it, but I don't really need yeah. to pay nine bucks a month for that anymore. Right. Like I've been paying since God knows when, you know, whenever they went behind the firewall. Uh, or paywall. So I, you know, killed all those accounts and it was like, Whoa, okay. That's, t- you know, 25, 30 bucks a month. I'm right. not paying anymore. Uh, so you just click cancel, 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 and you get some emails saying, okay, we're working on it. And, and if they can't do it, they'll let you know, typically it takes like three to five days, but they go through and cancel things for you. And it's really awesome. Um, so anyway, I, I found that and I, I thought for people that are like me that sign up for things like Spotify, which I, I don't, even use Spotify anymore. I mean, I use Google Play Music because I can upload my own stuff. And I've had that Spotify account since Spotify launched in the US, like 2011, 2012. And, you know, it's just kind of sitting there, but it's like 10 bucks a month. And do I really want to keep that when I'm not really using it? And I do use Pandora because we have our Amazon Echo. and, And the kids listen to Pandora all the time through that. So I don't mind that. But anyway, yeah, so I think this is a, a really great service for the the day and age in which we live because as people are becoming more and more comfortable be- becoming like so-called cord cutters, that means that just for your cable, for instance, what was one bill you paid each month is now – for some people, 10 different bills, right? Because you've got Hulu Plus, you've got Amazon Prime, you've got HBO Go, right? You've got Netflix, you've got all these other things, and it's adding up, and in a lot of cases, it's just as much or more, but you know, maybe Sling TV thrown in there too, right? Some other yeah, things. Yeah, that's us. Right, yeah. exactly. So, so I, we're becoming more and more comfortable subscribing to small things like, Oh yeah, Netflix, you know, nine bucks a month. I can do that. Or Hulu eight bucks a month. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No problem. Okay. Um, and so, so, so we have slink and then I'm like, well, negligible. I want to get yeah. a throne. So I'm going to pay another 10 bucks a month, uh, to get HBO on sling. And all of a sudden that goes from 25 bucks a month. And now it's 35 bucks a month and combine that right. with Netflix and Hulu and Google Play, and I'm up to like 60, 70, 80 bucks a month, <laughs> which is you know, what you pay for cable. Right. Just cable, or right? it's a cable package. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so I, I think it's it's really easy for a lot of people to kind of get, you know, you like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do, do Spotify. And then you realize, like, oh, I haven't opened my Spotify app in four months. Why am I still paying for that? Right? Things like that. So I, I, I really, really, it sounds like a great service. I'm really a stickler about not paying i really don't like recurring things i don't like people to automatically charge my account um so i like pay by the year for a lot of things which you know you know so that's still a recurring thing you're just paying it once a year but um but a lot of people i think this happens to so anyway yeah it might it might help you out and if it does and you want to throw a few bucks our way then (laughs) be great but if not it'll just help you save a little bit of money and a little bit of extra money for your Chick Fil A, right? Yeah, or maybe your Starbucks, there, yeah. right? But so. it, and it is it is also pretty cool. I'll, I'll say uh, as we move on that, uh, like it, it's all the Blue Apron subscription we have, and it said, "Hey, you might get more out of Plated. It's a little less money, and here are the options, and you can click yeah. here." And it's, it's an affiliate link for them, so I get that. But then they tie in with another service called Bill Shark. So like our Time Warner cable, they're like, "Well, you know, you're paying a lot more than other people in your zip code for the same amount of service. So let's." Put that off the bill shark and they can they will call in and like renegotiate with you if you put in your pen code and yes there's lots of security issues here and i know that but i i, I 
don't mind. So today I'm, I'm mowing the grass at 9 a.m. and I get a phone call and I'm like, yeah, what's up? What's up? <laughs> and it's, it's Bill Shark. And I'm like, oh gosh, they probably think I'm doing something I'm not doing. <laughs> you know, it's very winded. And uh, I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I want to be like, I'm mowing the grass. I'm exercising. And uh, anyway, you know, they were like, well, you know, we, we need this bit of information. Can you, can you provide that? And I provided it. And they, they were like, all right, we'll call you back. And they lowered our bill by like 20 bucks. Which, you know, not huge, but 20 bucks a month. It's 20 bucks, man. I mean, yeah, every month, like, that adds up. I'm all about that, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so, there's so, stuff out that, there. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're little eels, you know? And, and so, yeah. Windows, for example, uh, Satya Nadella, who is the new CEO of Microsoft, is a brilliant guy. And he's basically said, like, Windows 10 is the last version of Windows we're going to get. And we're going to move into what we have now with things like the Adobe Creative Suite where you don't necessarily go out and buy Creative Suite 6 or Creative Suite 7 or 8 or 9 like we used to with Creative Suite 2, 3, 4. Uh, but it's going to be like a, a, a subscription service, basically. So Windows itself, this operating system that I'm on now, is going to sort of start transferring into that idea of being a subscription service. So if you want to have Windows on your computer, you're going to pay 5 10 20 bucks a month instead of paying you know $400 to have it, which... Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, I know, but honestly, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, the pups are really not yeah, fans of that either. Um, <laughs> but it is kind of amazing that we haven't been there yet, right? Because I think I think people are, are finally okay with it, though. I think things like right. Netflix and Spotify are, and whatever are getting got us them there. there, right? But but for so long, people have expected you should get it for free, right? And this is the problem with the app stores. There's or, you, yeah, you should get for free, or or you should pay. You know, I'm, I'm going I'm to pay 50 bucks and I'm going to get this piece of software no, no, and that's my right. software. But and, then you're expected to still be maintained and right. worked on and them to work on bugs. And, and that costs money and we understand that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of suck. It's like, oh, man, you know, I got to pay 15 bucks a month to just do what I was doing and not having to pay 15 bucks a month. But or look, look at things like Scrivener that, that just came out on the uh, on iOS. iOS today. It's 15 bucks for the iPhone app. And I saw so many people complaining, like, oh, well, I want to pay 15 bucks for this. <laughs> it's like, do you understand what Scrivener is and right. what you can do with it? And Yeah, go try to buy it from the Mac App Store. Oh, wait, you can't. You know, go buy it from, was it lit- Literature and Latte or whatever? Latte yeah. and Literature. I, I forgot what it costs there, but it's, it's 30, 40, 50 bucks, I believe. Um, it's not a cheap program, but you buy it all at once, and it's not a subscription service, but you can totally write a dissertation or a book or whatever on it. And it's a fantastic service. And now the fact that it's on the iPhone is wonderful for a lot of people, like my wife, who uh, <laughs> work in that work in that industry of writing and, and editing and that kind of thing. She's really excited and you know, got it right away. Um, yeah. Well, of course, we've talked about how academics are, are fairly averse to like paying for things like that. Right, um, right. Especially, so it's kind of not yeah. surprising, but it's also like, yeah, 15 bucks for an amazing app. So I don't know. But yeah. yeah. So anyway um, – that uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to watch as we kind of move more into the subscription model, um, and well, it, see it, it, it affects it, kind of other yeah. other arenas as well. I, I think honestly, and I'll, I'll shut up now. But this whole concept to me is really fascinating. I grew up with CDs and physical media and movies and VHS. You know, like if you wanted to own Days of right. Thunder or Top Gun, because <laughs> you know Tom Cruise, you would go out and buy those things. Oh yeah, I wore out my VHS copy of Top Gun. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that that scene with the volleyball stuff, right? When the da- when yes. he yeah, the danger zone. No, what what's the song? Anyway, <laughs> no, it's danger zone. That's the yeah, that's the volleyball montage. Is danger zone? Yeah, God, it's such a good <laughs> movie. That. See, I, I, I was watching that. the one where you know he's with Kelly McGinnis and and they're doing the the fruit thing back. You know. So, uh, it would, that was like porn for me as a kid. So, um, we had. We have physical media, and then then we had CDs, you know? So if you wanted the new REM or the new you know, U2 CD, like, you'd go buy that, and you had that. And then we got Napster, and then we got MP3s, and all of a sudden we had iPods. And that whole concept of ownership of media really went away. And it's fascinating to me how that's really transcended into things like apps. So, like, you know, there there's so many apps that I pay for, like Adobe or Evernote. Uh, you know, on a monthly or yearly basis, but those are subscription services. And if I don't pay, that goes away. Right. And it's like, damn it. Like, I just want to pay $400 and have my Adobe Creative Suite <laughs> or, you know, Microsoft Office. I have to pay 
was it 15, 20 bucks a month for one license. And we have a number of licenses here in the business that we pay for so all these people can have Word and Excel, even though we all use Google Docs or whatever. Right. And it's like, why? do I, Why can't I just pay, like I did back in the day, $350 to get you know Microsoft Office for 10 users? Um, anyway, I think it's I think it's a fantastic, fascinating uh, conversation, and I think it's gonna I think it's gonna continue to go. We're we're not gonna have cars. You're not gonna own a car 20, 15, 20 years from now. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah, we're I think it's it's not just computers and yeah, you're and gonna be apps all the programs. Shit. It's it is going to change large swaths of the economy. I think that's absolutely right. I do you think that clothes. you're going to rent your clothes. You're going to rent your your home. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are going to be homeowners a hundred years from now. You know, yeah. at, at the most, um, I think you know you, you'll rent an, an outfit for a couple of weeks, and you drop it off in a box and get a new outfit. Don't yeah. don't steal my steal my idea. That's I've got <laughs> working on that. I think yeah. it's got legs. But, yeah, it's got legs, definitely. You get, I get that. I get that. That's uh, well played, by the way. So, <laughs> so anyway. Uh, All right. So um, I hope you're watching the Republican Convention along with us. And um, send us your feedback. Talk to us about it. Uh, maybe try to calm us down. And um, and hold us, or at least me, certainly, but hold us to the fire during the, the Democratic Convention next week, you know, if there are things that you think we called out in the Republican Republican Convention and didn't call out in the Democratic Convention, hold us, you know, call us out on it. I I like to think I'm pretty even-handed, but we all certainly have our biases and our blind spots, um, and um, we'll see what happens there. But and hey, we're awaiting Hillary Clinton's VP pick. We have an idea who we think is going to be. We'll see. Um, supposed to come maybe the end of this week. Uh, so, so we have I, we have thoughts on that too, and the rollout of that. But I mean, it can't be worse than the Trump campaign rolling out Mike Pence as the VP. God, <laughs> that was so uninspiring. That was horrible. Was really sad. Horrible rollout. Yeah. So anyway, they've just pretty much botched everything. But um, and, and we were also going to hit on, or I wanted to hit on things like uh, this new study out of, out of Pew that courts covered about Americans uh, losing their faith in religion's ability to solve social problems but right I and mean, we can cover that in the in the coming weeks but if you have things like that 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 strike you out there as listeners don't don't be afraid to uh contact us and let us know as always you can follow us on twitter i'm at thomas whitley same as at sam harrelson you can always find more great podcasts at thinking.fm and you can always go to thinking.fm slash donate and support the show that you love so dearly